We'll be finishing up the 23rd Psalm today. Next week, I am excited to say we'll begin a series on Leviticus. I'm serious. I'm so excited about this uh, study of Leviticus that uh, hopefully you will be too. Psalm 23 is actually a two-part psalm. The first part is about a shepherd and sheep. There are pastoral images. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures, still waters, right paths. And suddenly, between verses 4 and 5 of the 23rd Psalm, the imagery changes completely. From dark valley and rod and staff to you prepare a table for me. And, and so the, the image of the second half of the psalm is very different from that of the first. And it is to that second portion of the psalm that we turn now. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long, forever, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Where is it that you have felt welcomed recently? I can think of a lot of places where we don't particularly feel welcomed anymore. If you've flown lately, you understand that you must get to the airport considerably earlier than you did in 1986 or even 1999. And there's someone who will be barking orders at you, shoes off, shoes off, shoes off. This repetitive again and again and again. And by the time you actually get to your plane, you wonder whether they want you there or not. You don't particularly feel welcomed. If you've had to do business in a courthouse, and sometimes it's federal courthouses, sometimes it's local courthouses, but you, you go through the metal detector as you go in, and inevitably you will empty your pockets, and you will walk through the metal detector, and it will buzz and there's some sort of metal in your shoe that you never knew was there before. You're not wearing steel-toed boots, but somewhere there's a piece of metal in your shoe that's setting it off, and eventually you wind up getting your business done while at the same time being very, very happy that you are not incarcerated. You don't feel particularly welcomed. We live in a world where welcome is not the primary function of people at the airport or people in courthouses. And so it's refreshing, at least a little refreshing, to see this image in the second part of Psalm 23, this image of God welcoming his child. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You prepare a table before me. When I was in graduate school at Hebrew Union College, one of the professors who was my advisor there, Dr. David Weisberg, would about once a semester throw a party in his home. He would invite 100, 125, 150 people to these, these really extravagant gatherings that he would have in his home. And he would greet you at the door and take your coat and make sure that you had the food and the drink that you desired. And he would make sure that you were introduced to certain people you might not know. And he would just be everywhere at once in the course of an evening at his home. You could expect him to run into you and listen to you and introduce you to someone that he felt was important for for you to know. It was an amazing act of hospitality to be invited to one of his parties and to have that table set for you. It was amazing to see personified the idea of a gracious host. We move from the image of God as the shepherd who cares for his sheep to a very personal image. The personal image of gathering around a table. You want to know who your friends are? Your friends are the people that you eat with. There's something about a meal. There's something about gathering over broken bread and sharing a time together over food that brings us close to each other. Your best friends in the world are those that you eat with, those who invite you over, those who share the best of what they have with you, those who prepare a table. And God offers us a place at his table. In the front of every sanctuary, most sanctuaries, there is a a table. It's not an accident that we as Christians come and share a meal together as brothers and sisters, as members of a family. It is no accident that we gather sacramentally around the body and the blood of Christ. It is no accident that the one who in our gospel lesson today washed Peter's feet and said, you call me Lord and Master, and that is so. But if I am Lord and Master then what I have done for you, go and do likewise for others. Jesus is a host who offers himself. He doesn't just give the goodness of the world's things. He offers himself. He offers the gift of his body and his blood. He washes our feet. He cleanses our sins. He walks alongside us and accompanies us. He prepares this table even in the presence of those who may not wish us the best. You anoint my head with oil. Some of the practices in the Old Testament seem foreign to us. But this happens to me about twice a year. The first soccer game I go to, which was about three weeks ago, I I had on sunglasses, and the next day, you could tell I looked like a raccoon or some kind of animal that that just had really, really white eyes, and the rest of my head was, was red. 
Yesterday, the game was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I thought to myself, well, it's late enough in the day. The sun is down enough that I will not get sunburned. Well, you see how that went. Anointing someone's head with oil in a culture where the desert sun beat down upon upon you is, is an act of generosity, an act of love. It's an act of compassion to anoint the follically challenged. To refresh the skin. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where do you feel welcomed? Jesus welcomes us, He welcomes us to pardon our sins. He welcomes us to give us a new life that is bigger and broader than we could imagine on our own. Jesus welcomes us and he says to us, go and do likewise. Most churches consider themselves welcoming churches. I've only been in one church, which shall go unnamed, that thought they were welcoming and were really, really terrible at it. And yet, consider what happens so often on a Sunday morning. Now, all of you are new to me. I'm a new person here, and so I I can't tell the difference between somebody who's been here three weeks and somebody who's been here, as Sean says, a thousand services. And you know, if you go to church 50 out of 52 weeks for 20 years, you have heard a thousand sermons, you have been in church a thousand times. I'm not as long-winded as some preachers, but depending on on who the preacher is, you you might have listened to a thousand hours of sermon. But consider that that people get to church in, in interesting ways. It might start with just driving down Perryville Road and looking up and seeing the steeple and thinking, you know, maybe I should go to church sometime. And the 60th or 70th time that somebody looks up and sees that steeple, you know, I think I'll go to church on Sunday. And we all know it doesn't work the first week. The alarm doesn't go off and people oversleep. And so the next week, it's like, we're going to church this week. And what happens? What happens when for the first time, someone drives up into the parking lot and and enters into the congregation What happens? It's a very different experience when someone says, well, I haven't seen you here before. Would you like to sit with me and I can share with you a little bit about the church? It's different when someone says, you know, it's good to have you here today. Would you you like to join us after after church service for, for lunch? Lee's chicken? Cracker barrel? Tuts? Did I mention they have Turkish coffee at Tuts? Turkish coffee, amazing, amazing. I'm finding my way around, around Danville. What's the experience of a visitor who, who comes to the church? Are they all by themselves on a Wednesday night when everybody is getting this amazing food that Katrina fixes for us on a Wednesday night? Do, do our visitors get pushed off to, to one table while everyone else catches up with friends or family? When someone comes to church, is the first experience, you're in my seat, move, move. 
Or is it come and sit with me? Are we a welcoming people? Are we a people who really, really live the kind of generous life that God calls us to in Psalm 23? You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's like you keep filling it up again and again and again. God has more blessings than we can receive. God has more goodness than we can ever share. But make no mistake, God has called us to share the goodness that we have received. God, who has welcomed us, has has called us to welcome others. God, who has pardoned our sins, has invited us to go and to share that grace with the world. Jesus washes feet. Jesus, the Son of God, the incarnate Lamb, washes the feet of his disciples, this very basic act in a hot, dusty climate where your feet can get dirty whether you walk two blocks or two miles. When you get to the place you're going, you need to have your feet washed. The good host goes out of his way, goes out of his way to do for his guest what needs to be done. The host calls us to welcome. The host calls us to love. The host calls us to prepare a table, to anoint heads, to shower with goodness and mercy, and yes, to wash feet, to go and to do the things that need doing Because in God's generosity, God has called us to a life of giving, a life of loving, and a life of serving. How will you give and love and serve this week? How will you let God's generous spirit flow through you to welcome those for whom love is a stranger. Let us pray.